Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. If you mess up like that, you need to go watch. God's given them the instruction how to get back right with Him. And I just don't want to blow over that. I want to point that out to us. That if you've messed up, there's a way for you to get right with Him as well. Um, we know from 1 John 1, 9, that if you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And so it's always available for you and I to get back right with the Lord. And so don't ever stay out there separated. Even if you stumble in your walk with God, you can still confess of any sins in your life and be right with God again. There's no sin too great for God to forgive. Pastor Bill wants you to know today that there's not a point where you can't turn to God and be forgiven of your sins and live in His presence and will again. The Israelites sinned against God over and over in the Old Testament, but God always showed them grace and forgave them when they realized where they gotten and turned back to Him. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Leviticus chapter 10 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. I'm not sustaining my life by ruining yours, um, that we wouldn't be those that are praying, uh, P-R-E-Y-I-N-G, that we wouldn't be like that. Um, the Bible warns, uh, Paul said that we got to be careful as believers when we're biting and devouring one another, that we're destroying our own, this work, Christ's body. And sometimes what happens when the body of Christ is not actively doing what it's supposed to do, which is reaching out, it starts to devour itself, starts picking at itself talking about each other, putting each other down, being hypercritical of each other. And, and next thing you know, now instead of the body all coming together to, to reach out for God, we just start eating ourselves up, devouring ourselves. Be careful that we don't become that. Um, next on the menu that God is dealing with is the uh, flying and creeping things. Verses 20 to 23. All flying insects that creep on all fours shall be an abomination to you. Yet these you may eat of every flying insect that creeps on all fours. So these are the insects and creeping things that you can eat. Um, of those which have jointed legs above their feet with which to leap on the earth. So grasshoppers you could eat. These you may eat, the locust after its kind, the destroying locust after its kind, the cricket after its kind, and the grasshopper after its kind. But all other flying insects which have four feet shall be an abomination to you. Um, I don't know that anybody's going to be bummed out about this section um, the, of the things that are edible for us. I don't know anybody here that's got a regular diet of locusts or, you know, grasshopper or anything like that. But he just says, hey, these things are taken off of the menu. Um, they're considered unclean. You're not going to have them. These are the ones that you can eat. Um, and I thought of John the Baptist when I read this earlier that he was distinguished in the time in which he lived and he ministered for the Lord. He was distinguished in a couple ways. His diet distinguished him. Uh, he had a diet of locusts and wild honey. And so what he ate distinguished him. It was unique. It wasn't like everybody else. And also how he dressed in uh, camel skins. I just imagine John the Baptist, you know, when I picture him in my mind, I imagine this wild looking bearded man with big crazy hair and just camel skin and just honey dripping down his big beard, you know, just a guy that's like, I don't care about fashion. I'm on a mission. I'm just repent, you know, that he was about one thing. That's what he did. He came and that's what he did in his life. And so 
again, they're told what not to eat, what they can't eat as far as the insect, the animal kingdom. And uh, I got to keep it moving from there. Now, verses 24 to 28, if you look through this section, you'll see a couple words a few different times. You'll see the word touches, carries a few different times. And I just would point this out that the things that were unclean, the things that they were not to consume, the things they were not to take in, God is also saying here, don't be touching it or carrying it. Stay away from it. It'll make you unclean just to be around it. And so um, 24 to 28, it says, by these you shall become unclean. Whoever touches the carcass of any of them shall be unclean until evening. Whoever carries part of the carcass of any of them shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. The carcass of any animal which divides or does not chew the cud is unclean to you. Everyone who touches it shall be unclean. And whatever goes on its paws among all kinds of animals that goes on all fours, dogs, bears, animals that go on all fours, their paws, those are unclean to you. Whoever touches any such carcass shall be unclean. Who touched the carcass of an animal on all fours that was on his paws? Samson. The lion died and they had the honey inside or whatever. He touched it. Um, it was unclean. He wasn't supposed to touch it. Whoever carries any such carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. It is unclean to you. And so here God says, look, don't eat it. Don't touch it. Right. It's not for you to touch. You can't eat it. If you find these things dead, don't go buy them. Don't touch them. If you do, you'll be considered ceremonially unclean. You have to wash and be unclean until evening. So. I've already talked about it earlier, but it just is wise that if there's something that you cannot have, that you wouldn't even be in close proximity, you wouldn't flirt with it, you wouldn't be near it, you wouldn't be touching it if God has forbidden it from your life. And so I think all of us need to be careful how close we live, how close we keep ourselves to that which God has said would defile us or is unclean. How close do I want to be to that which defiles? Um, you know, over in Psalm 24, 4, just speaking of, you know, those that are going to come before the Lord, who's going to ascend into the hill of the Lord or who's going to stand in this holy place? And God says, look, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully, God says, that's who's going to come near me. Those that have clean hands and a pure heart. And so for this group here, God is saying, look, I've called you away from these things. Don't eat them. Don't touch them. Don't carry them. Don't be around them. I want you to be separate. Um, don't want you to be like other nations. And again, as you look at it in a practical sense, um, would it be a really healthy thing to be touching dead animal carcasses? Probably not. Uh, would it be a good idea to be walking around and just carrying whatever? We don't know why they died and you got them on you. God said, just don't touch them. Stay away. And if you do, you got to go wash and you're unclean until evening. And so again, I believe God's rules, God's laws for them were, they had spiritual implication, but they also had practical implication that God knew what he was doing and everything that he gave out had that in mind. Now, I think it's just important for us to note that New Testament church, New Testament Christians, we don't fall under these restrictions. This was for them then. Um, the dietary restrictions we're no longer under. Uh, we've been liberated from those things. God has lifted those things from us. Uh, the whole idea of not eating, not touching, uh, talks about it. And if you're writing those, you can write down Colossians 2, uh, verses 20 to 23. And they were saying, don't eat, don't touch, don't eat, don't touch. And, you know, Paul told them there, man, cut that out. He called now, when they were taking the Old Testament law and trying to make it New Testament printed law, Paul said now that he called it the doctrines of men at that point. That's not for you now. That's not God's law towards you guys at this point. 
Um, the same thing when it comes to the dietary restrictions. We're no longer under them. There's some people that would like to trip you up. Um, I've talked to people that feel like, you know, well, that was a rule back then. It just still stands now. And I want to just liberate us. There's scripture to say otherwise. Uh, over in Acts 11.9, if you guys remember when God was instructing Peter, he was going to have them reach out to the Gentiles. And Peter had a vision and it was a sheet coming down from heaven and four corners. And the sheet was full of all these animals and creeping things that would fall under what we just read as unclean. And God told Peter, rise, kill, and eat. And Peter said, not so, Lord. Peter said, I've been a good Jew. I have not eaten any of these things. And God said, don't call common what I have cleansed. Don't call, now I've said it's okay. And again, it was an analogy there about the Gentiles as they were gonna be reaching out now and speaking and ministering to the Gentiles. Um, this one I'd like everybody to write down just as far as the food and the restrictions that way. And then we're going to get ready to wrap it up. First Timothy chapter four. I'm going to read verses three through five. Uh, First Timothy chapter four, verses three through five. And it's speaking about the end times, how they're going to be those that come and they're going to be forbidding people to do things that are okay. Forbidding people to marry commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. And so God says now for us, there's that we can eat whatever we want. You can have your bacon, you can have your scrimps, you can have your lobster, um, you can eat whatever you want. Nothing is to be refused. As long as it's received with thanksgiving, it's sanctified or set apart by the word of God and by prayer. Um, I don't think that means that we should just be reckless or do whatever we want. But, um, you know, this is important to note. If you don't eat these things, um, if you're on some dietary restriction, you'll be healthier, Right but it won't make you holier. There are some people that are trying to bring the two together where it's like, well, I'm holier because I observe these things right here and I don't do this and I don't eat that and I don't. And then someone over here is not because they do. And, and I just want to make it clear that we are liberated under New Testament. Uh, we're not under these things. You can eat all the things they were told not to eat. God lifted that from us. Um, so it wouldn't make you holier. If you never ate bacon again, you wouldn't be holier than someone that does eat bacon. Um, you might be healthier, but you won't be holier. So I uh, just want to point that out. So let's go back to Leviticus 11. And there's just a few sections left, and I'm going to kind of give them in chunks. Um, we left off at verse uh, 29. From 29 to 36, um, he's just giving instruction on dealing with carcasses and if they fall to the ground. So I'm going to read through it. It said, these also shall be unclean to you among the creeping things that creep on the earth. The mole, the mouse, the large lizard after its kind, the gecko, the monitor lizard, the sand reptile, the sand lizard, the chameleon, all the reptilian things. These are unclean to you um, among those that creep. Whoever touches them when they are dead shall be unclean until evening. Anything on which any of them falls when they are dead shall be unclean. Rather, it is... Um, any item of wood or clothing, skin or sack, whatever item it is in which any work is done, it must be put in water. And it shall be unclean until even, then it shall be clean. Any earthen vessel into which any of them falls, you shall break, and whatever is in it shall be unclean. 
in such a vessel, any edible food upon which water falls becomes unclean, and any drink that may be drunk from it becomes unclean. And everything on which a part of any such carcass falls shall be unclean, whether it is in an oven or a cooking stove, it shall be broken down, for they are unclean, and they shall be unclean to you. Nevertheless, a spring or a cistern in which there is plenty of water shall be clean, but whatever touches such carcasses becomes unclean. Real quick. Um, he's already talked about what's unclean. He's already said if it dies, don't touch it. Now he lists a few more things. It says if they fall on something, what they fell on is also unclean. If they fall on you, on your sack, on your clothes, if they fall on your earthen vessel, you break it. It's dirty. It's unclean to you. But I thought this was interesting at the end of it. It says, um, nevertheless, if it's a spring or a cistern, um, a spring would typically have living water, be springing forth water, a cistern. If it's a spring or a cistern in which there's plenty of water, it shall be clean. But whoever touches any such carcass becomes unclean. Um, the only thing I can draw from this is I read it through over and over again is this, that um, the things that God has made for the people and said, this is not for you, it's unclean, I want you to touch it, I want you to have it. If it falls on you, to me, seem to be something that wasn't intentional. Like I didn't go and get myself into it, it fell on me or it fell into this thing, or it fell into that thing. It wasn't something I intentionally brought upon myself, but you're still unclean. It's still unclean. There's some things that, and I looked at this and I thought, wow, like, I guess, you know, as I looked at this, how do these things fall on something, fall on me, fall on whatever? And what I would draw from this is, if there are things, again, that we know are not for us, or to be kept away, or to be unclean, then I don't want to be around that. I don't want to be in a place where it could accidentally, if I realize that, man, that thing right there is unclean, I don't want to be sitting up under it. Um, but even here, is it, if it falls on you, if it falls in your drink, if it falls in this thing, it's going to be unclean. It doesn't look like it was something that they intentionally did, um, but it'll still be considered unclean for them, and they'll have to go through the little process to become cleansed again. Verse 37 to 41 um, speaks of uh, the seed. If any part of a such carcass falls on any planting seed, which it is to be sown, it remains clean. But if water is put on the seed and any such carcass falls in it, it becomes unclean to you. And if any animal which you may eat dies, he who touches its carcass shall be unclean until evening. He who eats its carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. He also who carries its carcass shall wash the clothes and be unclean until evening. Two things. If the seed, you know, the way the seeds work, seeds have shells on them. And when you put them into the ground and you water them, it breaks open. And then it's opened up. If it falls on it with a shell on it, it's okay. But if it's been put in the ground, it's opened up and it touches it, then it's unclean. I just want to point out here that God has given a remedy for someone that becomes unclean in every case. You got to wash. In every case, you can be restored. In every case, you can wash and be restored into a state where you can come before me, where you'll be cleansed or you'll be ceremonially clean again. And so I just would point that out to us that maybe we've been dirty. Maybe we've gotten things on our lives. Maybe we've done things that we shouldn't do that have defiled us or made us not right before the Lord. Like them, if you read this section here, every mess up, there's a way to get it right. Every mistake, there's a way in the will of God to get it right if you want to get it right. In each case, they're told, if you do this, do that. You're unclean, go wash. If you mess up like that, you need to go wash. God's given them the instruction how to get back right with him. And I just don't want to blow over that. I want to point that out to us. 
that if you've messed up, there's a way for you to get right with him as well. Um, we know from 1 John 1, 9, that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And so it's always available for you and I to get back right with the Lord. And so don't ever stay out there separated. Uh, don't let the shame of whatever you've messed up and done keep you in a place where you don't go back to the Lord who loves you, who died for you, who promises, if you confess to me, I will forgive you, I'll let you off the hook, and I will cleanse you, I'll wash it away. That's what God promises to do. And so if someone here feels, I'm unclean, I've messed up, I've done dirty things, I'm ashamed, don't stay there. When God is offering to cleanse you and forgive you, just like them, he's made a way for you and I to get back into a right place with him because that's what he really wants for us. And while they had to wash themselves, I just think it's interesting to point out to us that he washes us. They had to wash themselves. You go wash. But to you and I, God says, you confess, I'll wash you. I'll wash you. And so he'll do the washing. He'll cleanse us. He'll forgive us. He'll renew us into what we need to be in him. And so, so none of us should stay dirty. None of us should stay defiled. None of us should stay outside when God has said, come back and make it right. That's all you got to do. Last section, 41 to 47. And every creeping thing that creeps on the earth shall be an abomination. It is not to be eaten. Whatever crawls on its belly, snakes, whatever goes on all fours, whatever has many feet among all creeping things that creep on the earth, um, these you shall not eat for they are an abomination. You shall not make yourselves abominable with any creeping thing that creeps, nor shall you make yourselves unclean with them, lest you be defiled by them. For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves and you shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourself with any creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 45 is key. For I am the Lord who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. This is the law of the animals and of the birds and every living thing that moves in the waters and of every creature that creeps on the earth to distinguish between the unclean and the clean, between the animal that may be eaten and the animal that may not be eaten. And just as I wrap this up, I believe verse 45 is key to everything. It kind of the summary of everything that we just read. What is all this about? This eat this, don't eat that, touch this, don't touch that. You know, all these different things. What's it all come down to? It comes down to verse 45 where God says, look, I'm the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. I bought you out of bondage. You guys were in bondage. You were in slavery. They were beating you. They were killing you. They were working you to death. I bought you. I brought you out of that bondage to myself. I brought you up out of the land of Egypt. To, for what? To be your God, he tells them. And then he says, so be holy. You therefore be holy, just like I'm holy. Now, when God says be holy, he's not saying be perfect. Like He's not saying be absolutely pure and perfect and undefiled in every single way. Be set apart for me. Be holy as I am holy. Be completely set apart for me. And if God commands us to do something, we know that God will enable us to do what he's commanded us to do. God wants this group of people, just like he wants us, to be set apart for his glory. God wants us to be that we would be marked, that we would belong to him, that it would be clear. And I was just thinking this through. What are some things that we mark that we wanted to be known that that's set apart for me, that's mine? I think most people that are married, right? Uh, if you're married, uh, if you're a woman and you're married, if you're a man and you're married, you want it to be clear that your spouse is your spouse. I hope that you do. 
I hope that you're like, you don't want people to be confused about that. So uh, you want it to be known, that's my wife over there. That's my husband right there. Um, how do we identify that? You could, you know, we don't tattoo our names on their foreheads, but there are things that make it known that that's mine. It's my wife over there. Um, forgive me for going into this analogy next, but um, as I got, my dog right now is at a boarding place. And so there's lots of different dogs. There's German Shepherds and all these other kind of dogs there, whatever. And so you needed to, you know, you need to be able to distinguish yours among everybody else. And so they ask you to bring certain things that are yours. Bring his collar, bring a tag, bring something that would identify him as yours among all the others, that it would be clear that that one's yours. Um, we're not dogs, but God would say to you and me, I want you to be distinguished, right? If you and I are in the world, if they would have obeyed these commandments, God's kids, and they did, um, not completely, not all the time, but when they would do this, it would absolutely set them apart from the nations around them. Their diet would set them apart. As people would come and say, hey, you guys want to try this? Oh, I'm Jewish. We don't go there. It's got to be kosher. Their diet would set them apart. It would be clear that they belong to the Lord, that they're in covenant with the God of Israel because of what they don't take in, what they won't consume, what they won't do would set them apart. Sometimes what I see is believers trying so hard to fit in to this world that we live in that there's nothing to distinguish us from the world around us. There's nothing that is different about us, nothing that separates us from everything else. We look like we're on purpose. We're trying to relate, trying too hard to relate. And we end up looking just like them. Nothing distinguishes us. The word of God should distinguish us from everything around us. That we obey the word. There'll be places you don't go. There'll be things you don't say. There'll be attitudes that you don't take on. There'll be things that you just be different. And people will say, what, what are you? Christian, born again. Jesus is Lord of my life. Governed by God, under the Holy Spirit. Governed by the word of God. Just separates you, makes you different. There should be a whole bunch of us that are just like that. And so if we won't do that, though, if we won't be different, then it'll be really hard for us to make a difference if we're not willing to be different. How are you going to make a difference in a world that you've allowed it to conform you into its image instead of you being conformed into the image of God by obeying the word of God? That's the way God wants it to go. God wants you and I to be those that are not conformed into the image of this world. We're not fitting into his little mold, but because we obey what God says, we're being transformed continually by the renewing of our mind. We're constantly being changed and transformed from what we were into what he wants us to be. It'll make us different. It'll make us unique. It'll make us stand out in a way that honors God and is a blessing to the people around us. And so as we prepare now to have a time of communion and to remember what the Lord did to us, I just want to reiterate the one point that in every case, should they become defiled, should they become unclean, God had made a provision for them to be cleansed again. And the same is true for you and I. Should we become defiled? Should we become unclean? Should there be something not right in our life? God has made provision for us. Um, it's a good time to reflect, to evaluate where we are, where things are at in our walk with the Lord. And if there needs to be sin that needs to be confessed, if there are things for which we need to right now commit to repent and turn away from and turn back to the Lord, this would be the time to do that. This would be a great time to do that with the Lord, to do business with God, to say, God, forgive me for doing these things. Forgive me for whatever it is you need to be forgiven for. Confess it that he knows it anyway. So confess it to him and be forgiven. Let him cleanse you. Let him renew you in your love for him. Let him renew you, fill you with his spirit again. Let God renew you and have his way in your life again. Don't stay there. Come back to him. 
How come you can be forgiven? Because of the broken body and the shed blood. How come you can come back? Because of the broken body and the shed blood. And I won't diminish it and I won't take it away from you. Um, God has made every provision for you and me to be able to be close to him, tight with him. You've been listening to another edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Thanks for tuning in. The book of Leviticus is full of relevant content that can still be applied to us today. Yes, even the Old Testament book that seems to just be full of rules and regulations. It's full of the grace of God. No matter how many times the Israelites seem to misunderstand or misjudge God, He still forgave them. He still gave them chance after chance and gave them what they needed. How many times in your life can you see that God has done the same for you? He gives grace even when we make mistakes. He gives grace even when we don't deserve it. He gives us chance after chance after chance. There is no one else like him. If you're struggling with your own mistakes and are having a hard time accepting the grace of God, we'd love to connect and pray for you. Our number is 310-245-4811. Again, that number is 310-245-4811. And if you're ever in the Inglewood area, we want to meet you in person. Our service times are on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you're unable to visit in person, we stream our services online too. For more information, such as directions and links to media pages, just visit CalvaryInglewood.org. Again, that website was CalvaryInglewood.org. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Leviticus, and you won't want to miss it. Learn more next time right here on A Transforming Word.